Hi everyone, welcome to our very first episode of Getting to Know Teachers at Jordan High School. With us today, we have Mr. Albright, who teaches Creative Writing 1 and 2, as well as, oh, and 3, as well as the Innovation Lab. Mr. Albright, are you ready? This is quite intimidating to have the four of y'all staring at me like this, but no, I'm ready. I'm excited, <laughs> excited to be here. Okay, great. So... We're going we're gonna to hit it hard with the first question. What has been the hardest part about teaching? Um, See, I've done this 21, 22 years, overall 21 years at Jordan. The hardest part, um, I think it's just the, uh, like the stamina of coming back year after year and being um, energized, wanting to do this job and do it well, and to, to not coast. I mean, that's part of why. I decided to go um, start this new program is to because I've got about nine or ten more years before I could technically retire and I didn't want to just coast through that as a time where I just you know do things the way I've always done them and just kind of be bored at work um, you know punch in my clock I just I don't want to do that I feel like that's um, just not a good way to live 100% um, Mr. Albright um, do you feel that students can um <clears throat> can and do come to you about personal problems and how does that weigh on you? Yeah, I think they do. In part, as a creative writing teacher, I'm always asking students to write about things that really matter to them. Uh, And I encourage the class to to be kind of a welcoming place where you can uh, write about things that are very personal, that that really uh, affect who you are. So um, yeah, so through through writing, uh, students have explained I mean, a lot of really personal things about their life, and it's kind of opened up a conversation for me to talk to them about uh, about that. And uh, yeah, so like, how do you, how do I love all the students that I teach, but also not like taking on the baggage that is all their problems and making it a part of my life? So I feel like I have to do a lot of separation of my professional life and my personal life. Okay, Mr. Albury, how do you cope with a stressful day at work? Um, I jog a lot. Um, I, I run four miles three days a week. Um, just do push-ups, sit-ups, that kind of thing. And I've, I've always found exercise. I mean, I was an athlete in high school, so sports was always a stress relief for me. I played football and basketball in high school, and I think that kept me from really getting stressed out as a student, and I've just tried to continue to do that over the course of my adult life. Um, but, yeah, and it, it helps that, I mean, I always tell young teachers, like, what's the best way to kind of deal with stress from, from work is, like, is that to have a family, have, have, have like, like a life outside of school where you can come home and you're not, like, my kids, they could care less whether I have a bad day. I mean, they really can't. I mean, so they, they want me to be present as a father. So, and my wife is, if I was to bring home all my, my baggage from school every day, uh, she would get tired about that. And she would, she would call me on that, as she should, as a spouse should. So, um, so yeah, so I, I try to just make that separation between home and work. And that's, that's allowed me to generally not ever get to the point where I've had a couple times that, as a teacher where I've, I've thought, okay, I, I can't do this job anymore. But for the most part, I've, um, every year I've, I look forward to this job. I, I feel like it's a, a job where I get to really help a lot of people. And then can you talk about some of the common emotions you feel after a day of work? Um, I'm an introvert. Um, so th- I think there's the common misperception that to be an introvert that you don't like people. I, I do like people, but my job as a teacher is to be in front of everybody all day long, and everybody's 
looking at you and just constant interaction. And that's, uh, that's not how I fill myself, my, my tank up. So when I come home, I just want to sit in silence. My wife is the exact opposite. She's like an extreme extrovert. So it's always been interesting. Like she's, she's always wants to like find out about my day and tell me about her day. And I've had to learn to, I mean, it's important for me to engage with that, but it, she also knows that like, if I'm just wanted like not talk to anybody, it's not cause I, I don't like them. It's cause I, I just feel drained. You mentioned a lot about um, separation from work and home. How did you learn how to do that? Because a lot of people struggle with leaving leaving work at work. Yeah, I think um, it helped that I was a football coach here for a really long time. So um, every day if I had a really bad day in the classroom, um, I got to go outside. I got to jump around, push people and yell at, yell, yell at people and have them yell and, and hug people and like just all the fun, just like basic, like I could play. I could play and by, by playing that, that made, okay, I've had a really crappy day at school, but I've gotten to, gotten to do that. And, and so for a really long time, coaching was something that kind of helped me to deal with those bad days. And then, and then when my kids came along, uh, my oldest is 12 and my youngest is 10, like when they were babies, I mean, like uh, there were some times where I was like, how am I going to possibly stay awake through this day when I've slept 30 minutes? Because I've been up all night with my, my kid because he's not sleeping or whatever. And that was really hard. But it also meant that like it forces you to see, OK, this is just a job, you know, and I need to be a present father. And so that's that really helped me to kind of balance that out. That's very impressive. Um, as at your time at um, Jordan High School, what's been your most rewarding part of being a teacher? I think it's the fact that I often would get to teach, you know, whole families of kids, you know, three, four, five. So I think I have one or two families. I've taught five or six of their siblings. Um, so a lot of kids come into my class and they know who the, they know who I am based off of. I mean, Corey, I, you know, your your brother Raheem, I, I taught and coached what ten years ago. You know, and then you come into my class and there's, I remember you when you were five, walk, you know, running around the football field. And there's just something about that that feels, that, that's special. It's just to see someone grow and evolve. Naima, you're older, but your brother and, and cousin, you know, it's just that, that's just a really cool thing to me. What's your day-to-day -day life as a teacher? So I get to school really, really early. Um, I've always been an, an early riser. I get up at five every day. Um, and uh, I get to school probably at about 7.45, um, just to have time to kind of get ready for the day. And, uh, and I, I, this semester is probably one of the most rewarding I've ever had. I mean, I've, I, I mean I've, every day I come in excited for work. I have the first period class of 22 students who are each writing novels. And that means every kid is trying to do something really, really hard. And it's just really inspiring to see kids do that. And then I have these two new classes, second and third period that um, this innovation lab where we teach podcasting and documentary film. So that's something that's been really, really fun for me this year. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where this whole program goes. And then you've talked a lot about your kids. Can you talk about how you think being a parent has impacted being a teacher, if at all? Yeah. So both, you know, we, we, live in, we live in the Jordan district. Um, I've taught, taught or coached uh, most of my neighbors, which is kind of interesting. It's, it's good in a way and bad in a way because you always feel like to some degree that someone is kind of always watching, watching out for you. Um, so uh, I think that like, I, I know that like, my kids are going to go to Jordan. So Brett will be at Jordan in two years. Kaysen will graduate the year that I could technically retire. And 
So this is a place where I think, okay, is this, is this the kind of school where I would send my kids? And it is. It is the place. It's not a perfect school. No public school is perfect. But it's the kind of place that over time, in spite of all of its flaws, is the, has the kind of diversity and has so many quality people who work here and so many quality students. Um, it's just the kind of environment that I want my kids to go to. Uh, so I think I've digressed from your original. What was your original question, Naima? I, I'm not going to lie. I actually asked my question the wrong way. I meant <laughs> to say, how do you think being a teacher impacted your parenting style? Yeah, well, it's... If at all. Yeah, I, I have to be brutally honest here in that um, I feel fortunate in some ways that I don't have daughters because I feel like uh, I think the burdens that a young woman faces as a teenager are great in, greater in many ways than guys. And I think uh, some of the things that young women have to go through with body image um, and the way our society treats women. Um, so, but what, that, what I hope that leads me to believe is that as, as a father, when I'm, you know, when, as Brett gets into high school and Casey gets into high school and they start be, becoming interested in, in women, that they will be, you know, that they're gonna be able to be more respectful than just because I feel like I, this is something I, I see that women need to be treated with respect. And um, so I hope that makes me a better father for helping them navigate a lot of things that, you know, when I was a high school student, I was, I was really shy and I think I was just not comfortable in my own skin. And I think that's the thing that if I could just tell any of y'all who are like, as you're trying to go about finding out who you want to be as a human being, if you could like just be comfortable in your own skin, like people are attracted to that. People love that. And, but it's so hard, so hard to do that. And it was really hard for me until I got to like college. Um, and I would love it if my own kids could, could feel that sense of self-worth when they're younger. 100% for sure. Um, I did want to ask one question. Oh, I forgot. Oh, so you mentioned being shy in high school, but as a teacher, I've noticed that you've been very like vulnerable with us and you've been very transparent with us about things that you've gone through things that you've witnessed during your teaching years which have been very interesting stories to say the least um how did how did you get here and could you possibly share a story with this podcast sure uh, t give me more specific like what kind of story would you want me to focus on um honestly that's fully up to you whatever story pops in your head first okay um yeah, so I think, uh, I think I learned early on as a teacher that students can spot BS from a mile away, and if you're not genuine, they're going to call you on it, and uh, they will respect you um, if you are vulnerable. And it doesn't mean that as a teacher you need to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. I have no idea. I'm not professional. But I think students respect if, you, if you're honest with them. And um, so I've tried to be that way. I've tried to be honest about who I am, um, what I've gone through, yeah, it's, it's like a, a fine line because you don't want to overshare, right? I mean, I think nobody wants to have somebody. Um, so I would say, I mean, there's so many different like student stories that I've had through the years. Um, you know, I think the thing that just recently, I mean, this is a mental health podcast about mental health for teachers. I mean, I think the thing that I've, I've just thought a lot about is like COVID was really hard on my family. I lost both my parents. Um, and... That was hard. I lost my dad and my, my mom and dad were both in the hospital at the same time. <clears throat> so when my mom, when my, when my dad died, my mom was basically um, not able to take care of herself. So that was like a huge stress for me. And then we did online school and uh, trying to figure out how to help manage that. And so then we moved my mom up to Durham from 
Gastonia where she she grew up and she was on oxygen full time. So that was, uh, I think I also kind of put in perspective like school versus my personal life because, you know, I was teaching online school and uh, in the next room over was my mom, uh, you know, she would have a bad fall and I'd have to deal with that or I'd have to rush her to the hospital. So that was, uh, that was really, really hard. Um, and then my mom was, uh, she also had a kind of a really um, tough mental health episode. She had a, um, we had to send her to the hospital for a while for, um, for kind of a, a bipolar break. And she had never had an issue with that that we were aware of in, in, our, in our life. So that was incredibly hard to navigate that during COVID. Um, and she wound up passing away in May of the year we had online school. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, you know, kind of made me wonder, like with my own mental health, I've, I've felt fairly stable emotionally through most of my life. Um, so that was kind of weird. Our family had not dealt with that. So that was something that I wasn't very familiar with. Um, and, uh, but also hard to see like somebody that you've known and loved who has acted one way for most of your, their life to see them struggle with this thing. And they were able to get her some help to get some medications to help bring her back to what, what we knew about her. Um, but yes, that was hard. So that was like, I think I've, I've, uh, you know, I did a whole podcast on that experience of taking care of my sick patient, my sick parents. And I did that in part so that I could help to learn how to do this program for y'all. But, um, but also too, just to say that, yeah, I'm human and we've, we've, I've gone through, you know, a lot of hard things too. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I've mentioned it before, but um, I feel for you. And mm. I'm sorry you had to go through that during an already difficult time, which was a pandemic that nobody was expecting. Mm. So. No. Okay. Well, I have uh, another question. I mean I mean, so dude, just looking at me, I can just answer. Oh, I thought question. I thought you had a question ready, but I'm gonna I have a question ready. I, mean, I have a question. I mean, I mean, now I have one. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How long were you teaching in like over twenty? Uh, so twenty-two overall, twenty-one at Jordan. So over your twenty-one years teaching at Jordan, uh, how would you deal with kids who aren't the best behaved? So the first thing I do on the very first day of school is um, when a, ki a group of students walk into the room, I find out who's going to be the student who's most likely to be defiant and is going to give me problems. And I immediately try to make a personal connection with them. Like it's, uh, it's purely selfish for my own reasons because I know it's going to make my life easier. So um, I find out who sits, sits where. We do a seating chart on the, the so if you, I'm kind of giving away my secret here in a sense. Like if you come into my room on the very first day and you're chatting it up with the person beside you, um, that person will not be sitting beside you when we do seating charts just because I, okay, I know that that, then I could find out later, can they actually interact and still focus and whatnot. But um, yeah, so I always, I find the students who are the hardest, who seem like they would be the most likely to not get along with teachers. And then I find out something about their life and then I try to ask them about it so that their first encounter with me is positive. So then on the next day, if there's a situation where they're just, they just will not shut up in class, they will not focus, um, I feel like I've built up a little bit of capital with them. So I could actually go talk to them and they, they realize that I'm a human being first and then they don't necessarily like, aren't as quick to jump down my throat. And that's generally worked. Um, I've, I'm proud of the fact that in 21 years, I've only had to call the call button maybe one time for students like being you know in a fight or whatever um, I try to de-escalate things um, I try not to embarrass kids in front of the class some teachers I know do that um, and I know how I'm, I'm sure none of y'all 
like that, right? I mean, that's like something that nobody likes. Um, so I try to get them out in the hall, get, get them into a quiet space, just not embarrass somebody in public. Um, but I'm not afraid also to lay into a kid. If, if I, but also you kind of find out uh, with, as a coach, I would do this too. You find out what can a kid take and what do they respond to? And you can't necessarily treat every single kid the exact same way because they're not going to respond in the exact same way. Um, so that's something that I've always had, had to, as a coach and as a teacher, you try to find what makes somebody tick. And, and you just try to get to know them, like treat them as a human being. And I think that's like, there's a lot of things I don't do well as a teacher. But I do think one thing I do well is that I think most people think that I'm, am genuine. Like I really do care to want to know somebody. And that's something I do pride myself on. Yeah. For sure. Hey, I got a question. How heard do you feel in this community? How heard do I feel in this community? I think that, well, essentially, I went, um, <clears throat> I, when I was in my fourth year as a teacher, I, I won the DPS Teacher of the Year, and um, I didn't think I really deserved it, to be honest, uh, because I was like, what, 27? I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I just started the creative writing program, so I started doing something that was unique, and I think people gave me a lot of attention. Then the next year, I got this other award. It was like the, it's like a National Teacher Award. Um, so I, the, the comment that I got from everybody was, okay, now that you've you've kind of quote unquote arrived, uh, you're gonna leave teaching, right? You're gonna go do something else. Like you're gonna go, um, you know, now that you've kind of got this as like your springboard to something better, because who would stay in teaching past, you know, that initial thing? Um, so that, that always bothered me, because I, I, I liked what I did. So I stayed at Jordan and I stayed at Jordan, and, and that, then you kind of go through this phase where people stop giving you a lot of the, the accolades um, so I had to really decide, do, you know, why am I doing this job? Am I doing it for just the next, you know, the book release and, or the next newspaper article or whatever? And after a while, you stop getting those things. And it's like, okay, there's got to be other reasons why you stay in this job. And it's got to be the long, slow progression of seeing commu a community evolve. And so I think the thing that I've, the feedback that I get as a teacher is that, you know, I think people know who I am just because I've I've just been so stubbornly staying put. You know, <laughs> like I'm in room 413. I've been in the same exact room <laughs> for 21 years, and uh, you know, like your brother Raheem came in my room today. It's like he's like Coach Albright. This hadn't changed in 10 years, and I mean I've added stuff to it, but it's like the same spot. You know, um, so I think that I do feel heard in the community. It, it is nice that um, it is nice to go places and. And to see people who were, you know, you knew them when they were 14 and now they're, they're 32, you know, or they have a family. I, I went to a birthday party for one of my former students. His kid's youngest kid, this, his sixth kid, has six kids and like stair step, like seven, six, five, four, three, down like that. Big Catholic family. And, uh, and that was fun. That was fun just to see because I was like, I remember you when you were 17 years old in my class. Now you are advising, you know, college students and you have a huge family. Um, and that's just really, that, that does make you feel heard when people, they, they reach out and they say, like, I remember you and I want you to be a part of my, my family now. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is kind of going back a little bit before, but I did want to ask, like, has your view on mental health and seeking um, just mental help, let it be within therapy or elsewhere, um, has it changed as you've grown up? Yeah, well, I, I grew up in a, um, a small town where everybody knew everybody. It was, uh, it was a decent place to grow up, but it was kind of a, a classic southern town where 
you have the haves and the have-nots. It was an incredibly racially divided community, trail, you know, railroad track down the middle of the town, and that, that kind of a like a, an old textile town. And uh, so I think that there's this concern about you don't want your business if you if people know your business everybody will know your business and i think that was something that was um it's been hard for me as i've gotten older like learning about things about my parents that maybe i didn't know when i was younger that you know they're not they were nobody's parents are perfect and when you find stuff out about them but you also you know just like overcoming this idea that of the shame of what if somebody was to find out something about me or my family and everybody in gastonia would know about it um so I would say that mental health was something that was just not talked about where I grew up. And uh, we're fortunate that we live in a place where we have the academic community that does value mental health more. Um, but, and I certainly see it with, with my students, how many of them, if they didn't have support, would be in a really dark place. So that's definitely, and I, I was very fortunate that I didn't, I don't think needed to seek out uh, mental health services when I was high school. but. Um, there are friends of mine who certainly did, and they maybe wouldn't have felt that that was something that they really could do back then. For sure. Um, what's something that you want more students to know as far as how they interact with teachers and maybe like things they should keep in mind? That's a good question. I think it's, it's like a, it's a two-way street. I think we as teachers oftentimes don't do a great job of um, giving kids the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think sometimes that if a kid's having a bad day, it doesn't mean that they are a bad person. It means that they're having a bad day. And we need to do what we can to, to see why maybe they're acting the way that they do. But I think also it's like, it's funny as a teacher, when you see a student and they see you out in um, somewhere outside of school, it's like they're seeing a unicorn, right? I mean, it's like, you, know, <laughs> you don't exist outside the walls of this, of this room. And uh, so I think for them to see us that we are human too, and that we're not perfect. And maybe just to give us the benefit of the doubt, too like uh, you know I'm uh, one thing that's been really hard since COVID is that we have a lot of teachers that that have been out we've had teacher turnover um, our school I think has done a great job of hiring great young teachers but you know it's harder to get subs it's harder to get new people to come into this profession so like we'll have to cut this podcast short because I have to go cover a class and I have to do that you know a decent amount now and that's um, and that's a stressor because that's I'm doing having to do my job and then someone else's and that's something that I don't do a great job of balancing that I think that's probably the thing about teaching I like the least is is sometimes having to kind of take on the, the load of other people but then there are times where I think it's important that as a, as a veteran teacher that I do really try to support uh, other teachers more so I'm trying to do a better job of that gotcha yeah no it kind of surprises me that so many students believe that teachers don't have a life outside of school because I remember this one student asked like just absolutely shocked that this teacher had a home to go to they're like you don't stay you don't live at school like you don't have <laughs> you don't have like an apartment upstairs or something they're like where would I live? Right. And so there was just an ongoing joke in that class afterwards that she just disappeared into the walls or something. <laughs> but... Well, and some of that comes from a place... It's actually it's sort of a backhanded compliment. It's the idea that you see this... Like, you don't see me as a human, which is kind of not a compliment. And, but it's like you see a teacher... Like, the, there are... It's a very specific kind of role. And it's part of why I think if you have a really good teacher, you remember that good teacher. Because it's, it's, a, it's a pivotal role. You've got your parents. You've got your siblings. Um, and for many people, there are not too many other adults that, um, that they can call to. I mean, I think that's something, too, that's so important is that young people have adults in their life who are not their parents who know them by name. 
and they could come to and and that's kind of like I, what I would hope with all of my students that if you have an issue, you feel like I'm a trusted adult that you could seek for guidance. Um, so I think that's uh, that's part of why we we're shocked when we see teachers outside because it's it is a different kind of role. It's a lot of power, and when you have a bad teacher in a room, there's a lot of power in that, right? And if you have a really good teacher, there's a lot of power in that too. Have you ever met a teacher where you're? Oh, how do I want to phrase this? Hmm. Have you ever met a teacher and questioned, like, what made them decide to go into this job? Because I've met a lot of teachers personally who just constantly complain about kids, and yet they chose to be, like, a middle school teacher. Right. If you don't like kids, you should not be teaching. <laughs> that, seems, that seems like a very common, uh, I mean, a very reasonable request, but... Um, I mean, I think a lot of people get into this profession because they like they like reading, they like literature, so they want to they teach reading, and so I, I get that. And oftentimes, like that love can really translate over for kids. But you ne you need to like teenage, and I love teenagers, and I'm tired of y'all sometimes. Even then, you know, it's just it's, and you you're tired of us too. I mean, there, there's, uh, but I I think you have to enjoy this. I love the fact that when kids are in high school, they can act like adults you know, at, when they're at their best selves. Uh, and they can also act very much like middle schoolers when they're at their worst selves. <laughs> and I think that it's like, can you bring a kid to be the best version of themselves more often than not? And that's something that I've, I kind of strive to try to do. Um, since Sylvia brought that up, is there anything else that kind of drove you to becoming a teacher that you haven't already mentioned? Yeah, I really believe in uh, social justice. That's a, a big thing. I think that the best way for us to fix some of the inequities in our country is to get uh, good teachers in classrooms to try to help all students feel like they have a place at the table. And I think we live in a country where a lot of kids don't feel like they have a voice. And I think this is a great place to really make that um, make that happen for young people. So that, for me, that was the big motivator. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean being trying to go into policy or politics or, you know, being a, a pastor, you know, religious leader? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I went through a whole bunch of different ideas, what I thought I might want to do. And uh, teaching just kind of, I landed on that as like having the most different opportunities to be able to affect people. And it's nice that you actually have like a real passion for it instead of being <coughs> A default job like some teachers I mean I hope you feel that I mean I hope you're able to see that with me that no, I'm yeah, passionate I, about it yeah. you can tell that you're passionate about it you can tell when somebody has it like as their default <laughs> rather than something that they wanted to do yeah who do you think you worked best with in your 21 years of teaching here the the teachers I've worked best with yes um, uh, so Brian McDonald across the hallway from me is a is a close friend of mine somebody I deeply respect um, he is in, he's incredibly hard on kids, and he's in, and some kids are really intimidated by that. But I think the kids who really they go through his class, they learn so much, and they have a deep respect for for who he is. Um, I love the fact that at Jordan, I've got like Brendan Murray, my former junior English honors student, is now this phenomenal history teacher here. Alec Lohman, phenomenal English teacher was in my novel writing class. Saber Shadili, who's a new English teacher now, I'm getting a mentor. She was in my novel writing class. Um, and uh, and now, you know, Corey, your brother Raheem is now coming to work at Jordan. Who, And, you know, I love teaching Raheem in my creative writing class. And that's just, it's deeply rewarding when you see a young person who you really care about. Um, like, these are all people who are like, just like rock solid, 
good, good teenagers. And now they're just rock solid adults. Like Brendan Murray is, I mean, he's very much, a, he's very much an adult now, but he is the same person he was when he was 17 years old in my class. Like he is the, and that's like, I think kids respect that, right? Cause they, he's just, he's just genuine who he is. And uh, so, um, yeah, we've had, I think, I mean, I, I think Ms. Taylor is probably the strongest principal I've, I've had in a really, really long time at Jordan. I've had 11, 11 at Jordan since I've been here. So I've had a lot of different administrators. Um, and I think she's done a lot of really good for this school. And, and she supported me starting this new program. And that's been, um, there was a time where I thought about leaving Jordan. Uh, when I stopped coaching, I've, I've considered going to a different school. And uh, it helped to have a strong administrative support staff come in here that really, I think, has uh, done a lot for this school. It's amazing to hear. <coughs> any any further questions? Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Albright, for being our very first teacher on our podcast. And tune in next time, everybody. Bye. And thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. Okay.